Welcome to the first edition of the Smart Podcast, the SMRT Podcast, sports medicine and related topics. I'm Chris Raby, your host, along with Dr. Jason Young, who practices here in St. Louis. Dr. Young is an orthopedic surgeon practicing orthopedic surgery and sports medicine at Advanced Orthopedics. You can find them at 8225 Clayton Road, 8225 Clayton Road. Now, we'll talk in a moment about the mission of this podcast and all the great conversations that we're excited to have, but thought we'd just chat it over with Dr. Young to open things up. You've heard him on CamelX with me before, and now we have an opportunity to do some longer-form conversations. We also want your feedback. We want you to email in to the Smart Podcast, smrtpodcast at gmail.com smrtpodcast at gmail.com. If you've got feedback, if you've got questions, if you have requests for a certain topic, we want to hear them, and we want to bring them to you on the Smart Podcast. Without further ado, episode one. Work it, make it, do it, make sense, harder, better, faster, stronger. Work it, harder, make it, better, do it, faster, make sense, stronger, all that. We are in the office of Dr. Jason Young at Advanced Orthopedics, and we welcome you, Chris Raby and Dr. Young, to the first edition of the Smart Podcast. Doc, what's going on? Well, just another day in the office. Just uh, wrapped up uh, a clinic, and now get to sit down and chat with you about some cool topics. Yeah, we um, have visited before. Uh, you've heard us in the airwaves at CAMOX talking about topics, talking about uh, everything, sports medicine, questions from parents uh, about their kids, about themselves, about uh, lifestyle, about dealing with issues, overcoming issues. And we thought that it would be great to turn this into an actual podcast where not only you and I can connect or we can connect with with listeners and, and friends, but but also colleagues, because you have so many connections in the industry, people uh, across the spectrum of, of not just sports medicine, but beyond, and being able to bring some of those people in and get to know them, not just professionally, but their personalities, share some of their stories, um, is, is something that you and I started talking about recently. And, you know, in, in brainstorming and, and kicking around some of the names and some of the conversations we want to have, I think we're both really excited about this just because of your Rolodex and, you know, the folks that you know and uh, some of the different things that we're going to be able to bring to listeners. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think that uh, it, gives, it gives folks an uh, inside view of, you know, everything that has to do with sports medicine. And it, it's, uh, we call it sports medicine and related topics, the so-called smart podcast, but I think People don't realize how intertwined um, the world of, of sports is. And uh, we have, I mean, even just from a, a physician standpoint, we've got all sorts of specialists who take care of uh, various aspects of sports medicine, whether it's a dedicated foot and ankle surgeon or a dedicated primary care sports medicine physician or an orthopedic surgeon who's primarily does nothing but shoulder surgery. I mean, we all uh, have a lot of uber specialization and i think we're going to have a lot of guests who can who can talk about sports and talk about whether you're a, a professional athlete or a weekend warrior or just a fan on tv we're going to try to uh, give you some some back 
backdoor sort of insight into into that realm. I mean, we're going to talk with neurosurgeons, we're going to talk with primary care doctors and therapists and all sorts of folks uh, to really sort of open up that box and, and share share the knowledge. I think a lot of the question and answers that we had been doing were, were greatly uh, received in the community and and this avenue, though, lets us have a frank discussion and and, uh, and and hopefully expand on a lot of those topics. We're going to visit with your dad uh, very soon and, and hear his story, but tell us a little bit about your background. I know we've touched on it in various aspects, and we will continue to in the uh, life of, of the podcast, but just for you, um, how you first got into the industry and, and some of the stops that you have had before getting here to St. Louis. We'll talk a little bit more uh, about what you guys do at Advanced Orthopedics, but um, you've worked with you know athletes of of every single level, from the weekend warrior to kids to high school collegiate, and um, you know the the professional, most elite athletes in the entire world. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. I I honestly, um, you know, I grew up uh, kind of from a family of doctors, so my my great grandfather was a, a primary care doc my grandfather has a phd and has been teaching um medical students at st louis university for over 60 years now and then my dad's a neurosurgeon my sister's a pediatrician so i had this fairly uh significant amount of pressure growing up to to enter in the medical field so when i went away to college i went i went to boston college and I thought I was going to go into business because I thought they were all nuts. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's just uh, – I took an internship uh, in the business world um, and uh, junior, junior year of college, and, and I, I worked in, the, in, in a cubby, and I was doing business stuff. And I remember at the end of the summer I called home and I told my dad, I'm going to have to do something different. There was just no way. I just couldn't yeah. do it. I just – and so that pull, um, it just, I just needed to be able to, I, I love the challenge. I love the, uh, being able to take care of people. And I was always fascinated by folks that would, would grab my dad at the grocery store or at the movie theater and, and, you know, and thank him up and down about how he helped them. And I just, and it was just always you just don't encounter that all the time. Right. So as a kid, you're like, wow, my dad really does something pretty cool. Um, and then as you get older, you realize the sacrifices it takes. And so the, the pressures of, of just the hours that you put in and, and, and that kind of thing. And so I think I was shying away from, from the challenge for a while. And, you know, life has a way of pointing you in the right direction. So I, I changed course and finished up my med school prerequisites and, Next thing you know, I'm in med school, and of course, I have to go to SLU because Grandpa teaches there. So I told fairly prominent well, figure there. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember calling home and, and telling him, I said, Grandpa, I think I, you know, I'm going to go to Georgetown. I really liked it. Great interview, loved it, you know. And uh, he basically said, "The hell you are." You know? <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Nope, you're going to come back to St. Louis." So, um, so I did, and I, I loved every minute of it. And and um, you know, as it came time to figuring out what you want to do, I mean, med school is. You do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And so, you, you know, you try to, you've got very limited number of months in one particular field. And then all of a sudden you've got to pick what field you want to train in. And it's not the easiest thing in the world. And so I knew that 
you know, my dad's a neurosurgeon, and that's a whole different thing. And I, I just, the intensity there, and um, I knew that I wanted to do some aspect of medicine which was more outpatient-based, which was more about keeping people moving, keeping them healthy, making an impact in their day-to-day life. And orthopedics was just the perfect fit. I've always been a sports fanatic. Uh, I mean, maybe because I had three sisters, I was... I. I didn't play video games. I didn't. I was outside playing sports, you know. So maybe it was my way of getting out of the house and and uh, getting away from some of the from, from the <laughs> chaos. But um, and so it was just a perfect fit. And then I just needed to figure out, you know, I was like, okay, well, orthopedics makes sense. And I spent a bunch of time shadowing physicians and and picking their brains and asking them how they got to where they were and 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 you know eventually you land in the right spot and you figure out how to, to, to subspecialize. And, and so most of what I do is arthroscopic surgery because I spent extra time doing it. And I knew I wanted to take care of athletes at all levels. And I figured, well, you know, how, how do you do that? Well, you know, I did an extra fellowship with, with uh, a sports medicine program out in Colorado where, you know, they take care of a lot of prestigious athletes. And so if you, if you can work under that environment and and and, and uh, all the various uh, uh, factors that go into taking care of professional athletes, then I feel like you're well trained to take care of everyone, right? And that's the goal. I mean, the percentages is you know, 98% of the people we take care of are are just like you and I. We like to go for a run on the weekend, and you get hurt, you know. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, you know, ultimately. Uh, um, it's it's the training, it's the exposure, it's and, and for me reaching out to all sorts of peers, having my dad as a resource, my sister as a resource. My sister's a primary care uh, pediatrician here in St. Louis as well, and I had a lot of resources that I could tap into, and so I do a lot of talks, a lot of speaking for young kids who may want to go into these kinds of fields, and so um, there's some great resources in this town, and and. Uh, one thing that I've always told them is is reach out. So I have I have high school kids that come in and shadow me and spend some time because, to be honest, I mean the whole reason one of the main reasons about this podcast is to is to spread the word and give people an inside view because a lot of people have no idea what what medicine entails, what sports entails, and and what this sports medicine thing is all about. And so so I you know. Uh, I invite kids in to come shadow and visit with us and see what we do because the only way you know if you want to go and do something like this is to spend time with somebody that does it. So, isn't it crazy? Like, I have, you know, guys that when I was thinking about what I wanted to do in college or then just out of college or frustrated trying to figure out where I was going to work or how I was going to get a job, mentors and guys that, you know, were in the industry and would give me advice or encouragement or, I would bounce something off them, or can you listen to this demo, or I'm getting ready for this interview, how should I, you know, prepare for it, and and you have people that reach out and do the same to you, and I always say just at some point, you're going to have people reaching out to you, just be prepared to do the same, it's kind of that chain, and I still, you know, connect with them on all sorts of stuff, whether it's book recommendations, or, um, you know, what's your thoughts on this, or just chatting about the industry, I think that that kind of networking and that kind of communication, whatever field you're in, if you're not doing it, you're not getting better, and then you don't necessarily have the opportunity or the the willingness or the enthusiasm to pay it forward to someone else. Yeah, I mean, I it's one thing that my I think 
my grandfather sort of instilled in me. I mean, he's obviously been teaching. He's, you know, he's 92 years old and still going <laughs> strong and still wants to teach and has that passion. I think that the, the interesting thing is that, you know, the life gets busy. you got a million things. You know, you're doing interviews, you're traveling, you're, you know, working late nights and stuff. But when, it, when someone comes to you with a question or, or you're invited to, to teach, um, I find that, you know, sometimes it's hard to make the time and do that. But when I go and I spend that time, even if I give a lecture to a group of eighth graders, it's just, it's enlightening to me. It, it, it just, it, and a lot of times I, I learn something, even just from the preparation to give the talk. You know, I'm like, wow, I never really looked at it that way. Or you before. might get a question from someone and say, wow, I usually, that's usually not what I get. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so at every level, like it's one thing to go to courses and train surgeons. And my dad does a lot of that where he travels, you know, in fact, all, all across all across the, the world, teaching people various procedural techniques and things. And that's fun. Um, but at the same time, it's it's fun to you know, go into the local grade schools and high schools and do you know, dissections with them yeah. and explore. And sometimes I'm not doing anything orthopedic related. They <laughs> call me and say, hey, we need a doc to, to dissect the heart. I'm like, well, I haven't done that since I was in med school, but let's, <laughs> let's do it, right? It's fun. Um, it's educational. And, and so I just, that's, that's the foundation for where we are. You and I sitting down to talk is that I think, you know, utilizing this podcast technology, um, is awesome. It's just an awesome way to convey information. And hopefully we can, um, we can actually answer some questions that, that folks and uh, listeners have. And so we encourage people to reach out to us and, and uh, we'll provide some avenues where, uh, folks can ask questions and, and get some answers. How often do people want to know about some of the athletes that you've worked with and your connection to the professional sports world? Because I know especially in, in Denver and also here in St. Louis, that, that's been a big part of, of what you do. And, and like you said, you know, 98% of the folks you see are, you know, just trying to get through or, or reach their goals. But, you know, one very, very cool thing about what you've been able to do is some of the people you've been able to meet, some of the experiences I'm sure you've been able to have. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's a, it, it's a very interesting aspect of what you do in sports medicine is, is taking care of, of the injured elite athlete. And, and, and nothing's different in terms of how we fix things, you right. know, and, and, but it's managing the rest of it, and there's there's uh, there's agents and there's trainers, and uh, and there's pressures to get people back performing at the same level, and and so if you can train and and understand how how the best of the best do that, um, then obviously you're 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 trained for for all varieties of uh, of uh, healthcare, and so. You know, there are just there are some times when, you know, you have to set appropriate expectations, and and so, you know, I'll never forget a few years ago I had a I had a a patient who who needed an ACL reconstruction, and and so um, came in and and said, you know, look, I I need to be back, you know, performing, and uh, I think she was a, a gymnast and said, you know, I need to be. I need to be back within three months. And can you get me back within three months? And, uh, and, um, and 
I said, there's just, just absolutely no way. It's just not realistic. And, and uh, you know, uh, well, you know, I, I saw, you know, so-and-so on TV was back in four months. And I, you know, I, I want to be back in three months. And so, you know, sometimes what, what folks have to realize is that a lot of the super elite athletes are really special genetically. And um, they're the stallions. They're the ones that have been able to survive not get cut because they weren't injured. They're, they, um, they have a certain genetic makeup that makes them exceptional. I mean, sometimes we use the word kind of freaks of nature because their bodies can, yeah. do, their bodies can kind of do things that, that ours can't. And so you can't, it's very hard to uh, compare yourself to them. We all see Adrian Peterson came back from his ACL <laughs> reconstruction. I mean, just unbelievable. But that's not the norm, you know. So some of it is those experiences in, in working on athletes of that caliber, it's a special experience. It's challenging. And I'm forever grateful uh, for Stedman Hawkins in Colorado because uh, they've been at it a long time. And, and I worked with true professionals who – there's just a lot to manage and there's a lot of responsibility. And, and so I learned a lot of that, but also you've got to be able to still communicate effectively with your patients and have them educated. They need to understand what the rehab really is. What is the rate of return from ACL reconstruction in the NFL? It's not a hundred percent, right? I mean, in fact, it's probably 75, 80%, you know? And so you don't hear about, the 20% that don't make it back on TV. You hear about Adrian Peterson who made it back in four and a half months or whatever, you know? So sometimes you got to manage expectations and have people really buy into what's going on. Um, it's just, it's one of the challenges. Cause again, you're comparing yourself to folks who are, are truly amazing. Same with Tommy John surgery, right? Like <laughs> it's, it's come so far and right. even compared to 10 years ago where there was, a stigma attached to it. I don't want to say it becomes the norm now because it's still a, a major surgical procedure, but you hear about guys that come back and in some cases, you know, the storyline is that they're better, better or yeah. maybe they gain velocity. You know, that's maybe the case for a couple of guys. And maybe again, they're not pitching through a tear or they're doing things a little bit differently with their mechanics. But again, it's not an automatic surgery. And I'm sure that you get all sorts of people that have misconceptions about that procedure, especially in a baseball crazy town like St. Louis. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a... Especially when you're not a professional and you're not able to spend all of your time, your full-time job rehabbing under right. the care of professionals. Right. <laughs> I mean, I get, you know, we'll get that all the time about how, you know, well, I saw so-and-so had an had a arthroscopy and was back playing two weeks later. Well, they were also getting 10 hours of rehab every day. And, you know, you and I can pull off maybe two hours a week. And so, uh, but the Tommy John's thing is, is again, you know, if you, if you look at the statistics, it's, we worry about, you know, I, I one of my passions is injury prevention. Sure. And, I mean, we just see so many injuries that when you take the history from the patient, it was it's just preventable. And so education is key, especially with, with the rapid number of Tommy John surgeries being performed in, in young people. Uh, bottom line is we have good documentation about what kind of pitch counts there should be, uh, what kind of breaks the kids needs. We have it all broken down by age. It's all available. Probably the quickest resource 
um, is the Stop Sports Injuries website. It's a national website. Dr. Andrews was a big um, uh, pioneer of this website, and there's tons of resources from concussions to to uh, pitch counts and those sorts of things. And so what you see, though, is that what, what we are starting to figure out is that basically the, the ligament of the elbow has, has it's just like tires on your car. There's a life expectancy. There's a number of pitches that you get. And so, you know, if it's different, though, if, if you end up blowing out your, your UCL when you're 14 versus, you know, you're Adam Wainwright and you're in the prime of your career. You know, if you take those two folks after a Tommy John surgery, there's a totally different result. Um, so we know that if you have that surgery at a young age, you know, at the high school level, the chances of, of continuing on through the collegiate and then the professional or, or even um, minor league level is slim to none. And so if you, if you are needing that surgery at that level, at that younger level, it's, it's almost a switch positions type surgery. Um, but you're right. I mean, I'll have people come in and ask about, you know, having it done on their non-dominant arm, which <laughs> is not even, it's not indicated, but it's in the news. And so, oh, I tore my ulnar collateral ligament. I must need Tommy John surgery. And, and um, if you're not a thrower, um, if, you know, if I fell down tomorrow and tore mine, I'm not having surgery on it because um, I don't throw a baseball. And so, um, it's just, it's, it, and that's why we're here is to, is to have those frank discussions and give people a, uh, a good resource. What's, um, what's a question and it doesn't have to be professional sports related, but is, is there a question that you've gotten from someone on the sidelines of a soccer game or when you're around town, um, that was kind of a either on the good side or the bad side, kind of an aha moment. You mentioned it earlier when you're talking with kids, you'll get stuff saying, I never thought about it like that. I'm sure that with some of the concerns we have of people that are wondering about giving their teenagers Tommy John, you also get really, really good questions and and probably folks that uh, maybe encourage you with the way they're thinking, even if they're not in the medicine field. Yeah, I mean, I think probably the most common thing that that comes up is – um, you know, folks ask me a lot about injury prevention and, and I'm passionate about it, but, but at times it's, it's very difficult to execute it. You know, I, I may get a conversation of five, 10 minutes with someone and we try to talk about some of the key concepts, but, um, you know, probably the biggest thing that we talk about is, is allowing your youngster uh, to mix it up and play multiple sports and cross train. Yeah, that, that's the one thing every, we were having those conversations this weekend. I have them, you know, with guys in, in every locker room that I'm in. That's what everyone says. Yeah. I mean, you, you, your body just takes a toll and yes, there's a certain number of repetitions you need to hit to continue to excel at whatever sport you're passionate about. But we find that giving the body a break and, you know, switching from soccer to basketball to baseball um, overall will make you better is that you got to resist the temptation because sometimes the kids drive it, sometimes the parents drive it, but you got to resist the temptation to get tunnel vision, especially when you're young and give kids an opportunity to explore their bodies will continue to develop because you, you start activating different, different muscle groups. But one of the key things that I, that I started to realize after talking with a lot of parents and coaches, uh, having some kids go through, through, uh, 
you know, some of the soccer club teams <coughs> is that you the the injury prevention side, especially with the strength and conditioning and the plyometrics now, has been really well studied. And if you look at injury prevention for young female athletes, especially, they're very prone to knee injury. And we sort of, you know, with 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 literature, have been able to kind of figure out where it's coming from. And not only that, we've been able to target specific types of workouts. And if you follow those patients who are doing those particular workouts, they, you know, you, you basically reduce their fivefold increase risk back to the normal baseline. So it's, it's profound. But the problem is, is if you don't have those athletes continuously performing that strengthening and conditioning program, it becomes ineffective. So the problem now is we know, we know what works, but how do you execute it? How do you, how do you get a 12-year-old um, girls club soccer team to run through the plyometric drills that they need to do to prevent injury and do it consistently, even during the off-season and things of that sort? So now you're starting to see the collaboration with strength and conditioning coaches, the soccer clubs, physical therapists, and you're starting to see some some products being developed where, you know, a club soccer team may take the entire team in the offseason for this conditioning, and then the coach is educated on it, the players are educated on it, and then they carry that into their warm-ups throughout, throughout the season. So, you know, we've seen this evolution starting to take place where – we are finally, I think, getting parents and athletes alike starting to think about, you know, how do you do this, but how do you do it injury-free? And I think that's been one of the things that after having enough people talking, it starts, you know, start to realize that parents are starting to figure this out. It's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, this is, uh, again, the first episode of the Smart Podcast, sports medicine and related topics. We are... Uh, I'm really looking forward to chatting with a ton of guests who, you know, just run the gamut uh, in terms of what they bring to the table, their stories, their experiences, what they can offer, but also to uh, answer some questions because I know that you're always having folks reach out. And as you said, teaching is something that you're passionate about, educating folks. So uh, we'll sprinkle those in as we go along and, um, we want people to get us questions to get you questions, Doc, and we invite people to email us smrtpodcast at gmail.com, smrtpodcast at gmail.com. That's the best way to get a hold of us, and then we will answer uh, these questions on the upcoming podcast episodes. You know, even if people want to hear uh, a particular topic discussed, then we can we can try to invite, you know, particular guests on, but... Uh, but uh, I think that uh, you know, we're happy to answer any of those questions and and uh, throw them in the next uh, podcast. All right. Well, I will end with this, and I think we'll probably ask this to all of our guests as we wrap up our chats with them. But we'll start with, with you since this is the first episode and uh, since you are the, the focus of this podcast. One piece of advice, it can be broad, it can be specific, but just something that you think folks can – maybe take and, and start to implement in their daily lives? Well, I, I think probably the, the things that have affected me the most in, in my career is um, 
just living your life with a with a with a tenacity and a and a grit and a determination and um, you know I, I I'm just a big believer in in doing things which you know help you gain a confidence and help you um, uh, you know persevere in life even if you know you're a, uh, an attorney or a doctor or a, a stay-at-home mom. Uh, it doesn't matter. You you know you you got to be able to set some goals, chase your dreams, and uh, and build that sort of that that desire and determination within you. So I, I think it's my whole thing is about just bettering yourself and and uh, and developing that tenacity. Dr. Jason Young, Advanced Orthopedics. It is the Smart Podcast, the sports medicine and related topics. Jason P. Young, MD. Com. Got it. All right. That's the website. Well, appreciate it. One episode under the belt, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.